Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. We are here with another top five episode, and this is a little unusual because it's really a bottom five episode. Right. <laughs> we don't typically like to be haters, but... Uh, we don't, but sometimes there are movies that deserve it. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So you will not hear us hate on movies very often. When we pick movies to cover, we pick movies we like. Generally, we pick winners. Yeah. Exceptions to that rule so far have been Jaws the Revenge versus Superman 4, two movies that uh, both came out the same year that were absolutely dismal for an otherwise impressive franchise. Then we're going to have another couple of movies uh, in the future. We're going to be teaming up with some friends. Going to cover Last Action Hero, which is a movie you walked out of. I did. And then that versus Alien 3. Yes. Which I don't think I walked out of that one, but I did walk out of whatever the fourth one was where she had an alien baby. <laughs> At the alien baby scene, I was like, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that here in the next couple of weeks with the guys from the Film By Podcast. Yeah. And actually, we talked with them about Superman 4 versus Josh the Revenge. We call it What the Heck Happened series. Yes. Yeah, so this is our top five of What the Heck Happened from the 80s sequels. Yes. Now, important to note, we recently did an episode with another podcast called Pop culture yearbook yeah that's right and we covered the best sequels of the 80s and the rules on that game were that the sequels had to have come out sometime between 1980 and 1999 right and it was more like a draft type of thing so we had three guys from the podcast and us too so those three guys were brad pete and gif and we picked the best sequels of the 80s, but today we are going to be part picking the worst sequels of the 80s. Yes. So enjoy this episode and then go check out that episode we did with them. Again, that podcast is called Pop Culture Yearbook. There you go. So the only rule that we are keeping yes. is that the movie has to come out sometime during the 80s. Yes. 1980 to 1989. And again, it's going to be like our normal top five. Jason has five. I have five. They might overlap. They might be a sequel from another franchise. I don't know. We will see. We don't know what each other's lists are. Yeah, but like our other top five episodes, what we're going to do is we're going to drop little breadcrumbs and see if we can get the other guy to guess what movie it is that we're talking about. Right. Are you ready to jump in? I'm ready to jump in. Let's do five, four, three, two. Honorable mention, honorable mention, number one. Yes. Just like our top five list before. Exactly. Okay. Um, all right, I'm going to let you go first this time. All right, D. My number five, top five. I don't know how to say this the right way. So this is the Your fifth, fifth worst. worst sequel <laughs> of the 80s. Yeah. Five. Now, some people are going to fall out of their chair when I say this, okay? okay? Okay. This was released December 11th, 1985. Okay. This is a sequel. So here's the tricky part. Part of me is like, that's the worst sequel I've ever seen. The other part of me is like, I loved the first movie, and this was the biggest disappointment I've ever had. Okay? So December 11th, 1985, the budget on this one, $25 million, It made $96 million. So this is a hit movie. Wow. Okay? okay. Yeah. Now then, the star of this movie tried to back out at the last minute. Okay. The other star like there's two main people in this movie the other star was the producer 
And he went to the studio and the studio threatened to sue her for like $25 million if she drops out. And so the the main male lead had to be the go-between between his female co-star and the studio to keep her from being sued. It was a total disaster before it got off the ground. Any idea what I'm talking about? I give up. Okay. I'll give you this hint. Yeah. The best thing to come from this movie is the number two hit song, When the Going Gets Tough, by Billy Ocean. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. No, I don't know. Okay. This is the sequel to Romancing the Stone. This movie is called Jewel of the Nile. Oh, wow. I got new partners. Jack Colton and Joan Wilder. We're romancing a new kind of stone called the Jewel of the Nile. I practically got it in my hands right now. The only thing stopping me is this big shot A-Rap who stole it. And it's not too thrilled to part with it. Okay, yeah, no. So Kathleen Turner was like, this is dumb, I'm out. Kathleen Turner said, when she started to read the script, she's like, this sucks. I want out. And Michael Douglas is the producer on the movie. Yeah. And so she's getting ready to screw him over. And so he said, listen, calm down. I'll go to the studio. We'll rewrite this. It'll be good. So they literally sat down with three different scripts. He and Kathleen Turner sat down on the ground, and they decided, okay, we'll keep this. No, that's out. No, this is in. That's out. And it was just a disaster. I tried to watch this last night. Yeah. For as good, literally, as good as Michael Douglas, A-list star, and Danny DeVito, super funny, Uh and Kathleen Turner, beautiful at the moment, they could do nothing with this dog around their neck. Really? Oh, it was awful. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I saw it in the 80s, and I was a kid, so I just, I guess I enjoyed it in the 80s. I don't know. I don't okay, know so here's that. the deal. Spoiler, okay? If yeah. you haven't seen Jewel of the Nile, it came out 40 years ago. Right. The Jewel is a man, right. which my 12-year-old self stood up in the theater. I'm like, what the, what are you talking about? <laughs> I want my money back. This is bull crap. <laughs> okay. So that's my number five. So you don't remember that one? No, I mean I don't remember the movie. I just remember thinking it was a good movie. So, okay, I I, I couldn't have been alone. Obviously, there were you know is ninety five millions. Not a bad showing. It's true. It's tough. Good going. <laughs> By the way, Michael Douglas, Danny DeVito, and Kathleen Turner do go on to star in War of the Roses in nineteen eighty nine. I do remember. That. I remember watching that one in the theater and not being impressed. It's terrible. And not being impressed at all. Yeah. So. Okay, so here we go. My number five. Okay. The star of this particular movie is now pretty routinely an actor who is in pretty close to Christian movies, like a lot of the, you know, Christian-pushed movies. Okay. But at the time that he made this movie, he was pretty well out of his mind on Coke, as was several of the other actors in the movie. Okay. The actor who had played the lead in the first two of these movies said Mephistopheles himself could not have pulled me in to make this movie. (laughs) He almost didn't make part two, but they made part three and it was so bad that when they made part four, which was also horrible, (laughs) they'd pretended like three didn't even exist. It was, it was the characters became entirely different people with different backgrounds. It was like number three never happened. I I know what this is. I know what it is. It's Jaws 3, 3D. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) With the first, you were too terrified to go back in the water. 
Just when you were starting to think it was safe, along came the second. Now, nature's most terrifying creature has returned in an all-new adventure. Jaws 3. This movie was the first movie I ever saw that I walked out of the movie, and it was not my doing. I didn't. I mean, I was a little kid. I had no idea. But my dad was like, okay, come on, we're leaving. And I'm like, you could do that? I thought you had to watch to the end. I thought that was the rule. Okay, so here's the deal. I talked to Jeff Johnson with the A Film By podcast about this the other day. Yes. We've covered Jaws 1. They've covered Jaws 2. We together <laughs> have covered Jaws 4. We have got to get together and talk about Jaws 3 at some point. Absolutely. Okay, good. Okay, so we're on to my number four. Four. All right. This movie was released November 21st, 1984. Sorry, Deaf Dave. Black Eye for 1984 on this one. Red Sonia. Yes. <laughs> it's, it no, already? it's not Red Sonia. No. <laughs> that was a good guess, though. That was very close. Uh, it would have fit the category. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? This would have fit the category. This, that's sure. true. It is not that. Okay. <laughs> this had a whopping eight percent on rotten tomatoes okay this one two razzies and literally is responsible for the selling of this franchise to the canon group is this superman 3 this is not superman 3 oh, okay this is supergirl alexander solkine presents the action-packed adventures of a dazzling new superhero Starring Peter O'Toole. I must be sent to the Phantom Zone. Faye Dunaway. Mia Farrow. Venus? When? Brenda Vaccaro. Mark McClure. That's Clark Kent's cousin. Hart Bachner. And introducing Helen Slater as Supergirl. Adventure runs in the family. Oh, right. Right, of course, yes. So there you go. Oh, yeah, and questionable whether Supergirl is worse or Superman 4 Quest for Peace. There is no question. It's This it's is worse, worse it's than Superman, the Quest Supergirl for Peace. Supergirl is worse, for sure. Okay, now listen to this. I got some t- tidbits for you on this. Faye Dunaway was cast as the stupid witch in this movie. They okay. wanted Dolly Parton. Demi Moore was almost cast as Lucy Lane in this movie. Lucy Lane is Lois's sister. Oh, right, right. Helen Slater is Supergirl. She's 20 years old. None of this is her fault. She has no real superpower. She can fly, but like she changes clothes magically and her hair changes colors. This makes no sense. (laughs) Total dog. Yeah. Absolute disaster and literally caused the Superman franchise to fall in the canon group's hands. Wow. And which they promptly turned around and made Superman 4, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Okay. All right. All right. Back to you, sir. Okay, this one that I'm about to talk to uh, talk about, it was the beginning of the end for the franchise, but somehow it did not stop them. Okay. So still had as the lead, the lead from part one and part two and part three, but this was part four, and it was the beginning of the dismal results that were part four, part five, and part six. <sighs> 
And you're going to hurt my feelings if it, this is what I think it is. Yeah. This is the one where everybody went, wait a minute. Steve Gutenberg is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> how did he, how's he been a star? How do we get him in Cocoon? Oh my gosh. The Goot? Yeah. This is the fourth Police Academy movie. The most talented graduates are back in Police Academy. Oh! I want to welcome all of you to... Citizens on Patrol. Citizens on Patrol. The Police Academy has offered to train you citizens. You just don't think I'm fast enough anymore, do you? To better protect yourself. Do we get to pack heat? Attention all cars, attention all cars. Mahoney. Jim, let's say that. Jones. Mind Dollar. Sweet Chuck. Zed. And Tackleberry. Please! Good idea. Citizens on Patrol. Citizens, C-O-P. Citizens on Patrol. Unfunny from beginning to end. Got it. I saw this in the theaters. Me too. And at 10 years old, I thought it was hysterical. Going <laughs> back and watching it, I was just like, what could I possibly have found oh, funny man. about this? Okay, so I haven't seen this since 87, but I walked out of the theater going, that was freaking funny. <laughs> All right. Back to me for my number three. Three. I'll eat my shoes if you've seen this movie. Okay? okay. This movie is a sequel that came out in 1985 to a movie that we've covered okay. on the Shirley Can't Be Serious podcast. Came out in 85. Okay. Came out in 85. Okay. Now listen to this. The subtitle for this movie is called Your Sister is a Werewolf. Nope. Okay. This stars Reb Brown, who played Captain America in the 1979 version. Wow, okay. okay. Yeah. You've got Judd Omen, who played Mickey in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. The guy who hitches a ride and he's running from the cops. Okay. You're going to have to keep going, my friend. Okay. I got nothing. This is the big dropper for you. Are you ready for this? Uh-huh. It also stars Marsha Hunt, who was married to Mick Jagger. She's a black woman. She was the source for the song Brown Sugar. Okay. Okay. It also stars Sybil Danning as Queen Sturba, who is the Queen Werewolf. This is the Howling, Howling Two Part Two. Party time! Out! It's the rocking, shocking new wave of horror. Howling to. Wow. I can say that I've seen parts of this movie. <laughs> very specific parts. Okay, so we have to talk about that part, right? Sybil Danning, you don't hire for her great acting ability. You hire her because she has amazing boobs, right? <laughs> and the director of this movie is like, okay, let's go, topless, take it off. And she's like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm tired of doing boob shots. Uh-huh. And he's like, no, you have to. It's part of your contract. You got to do it. So she's like, all right, listen, I'm going to do this one time. So she rips off her shirt one time in yeah. the movie. Yeah. And then they copy and paste it 17 times in the closing credits. Yep. Rip. Rip. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> you have lines like, I told you we'd get these fuzzballs. <laughs> 
Ah, uh, that is great. Okay. Over to you, my good man. Okay, so we're to my number three. You're number three. All right. This movie came out in 1983, 40 years ago. Okay. The star of this movie said that his favorite director to work with was the director of this movie because he knew how to make me look the best on screen. Okay. The director also had a movie came out in 83 that was absolutely fantastic. That was a number three in the series. Okay. Don't know what it is yet. The director had a brother who had a song on the album. <laughs> How about you got it now? Uh, we Cue up Frank Stallone. <laughs> far from over. This is staying alive. Paramount yes. Pictures presents John Travolta in a Robert Stigwood production. A Sylvester Stallone film. Staying alive. Yeah, so Sylvester Stallone, John Travolta's favorite director to work with because Sylvester Stallone knew how to make John Travolta look good on the screen. Oh, that's interesting. What is also interesting is that this got a whopping 4.7 <laughs> on IMDb, so he couldn't have... I, either he didn't look that good or the looking good didn't make enough difference for such a terrible, terrible script. I have never seen this movie. Oh, yeah. But here's the deal. You and I both hated Saturday Night Fever. Well, yeah. So, the, I mean, the thing is, is that as bad as Saturday Night Fever was, this is worse. This R is right. worse. Yeah. I actually, when we first started watching Saturday Night Fever, I was like, where's the part where he says, I'm going to go strut? Oh, it turns out that was my memory from watching Staying Alive. And it that didn't happen until the next movie. Yeah. Okay. Quick note on Staying Alive. Number one, I know our good buddy John Reed likes this movie. John Reed, who also likes Alien 3. Exactly. All right. <laughs> I do know that Cynthia Rhodes, a.k.a. Rosanna, and Penny from Dirty Dancing was in this movie. And I know that she met her husband, Richard Marks, on the set of Staying Alive. All right. That is very cool. How about that? Patrick Swayze is in the movie, dancing in white suspenders. Again with Cynthia, Cynthia Rhodes. Crazy. Again with Cynthia Rhodes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, from the Toto video. Exactly. In your dreams. <laughs> and also, Richie Sambora is in the movie. What? He is a member of Frank Stallone's band whenever Tony Monero visits Jackie at the rehearsals at the club. Oh, I'm Richie watching Sambora. this movie now. That's it. There I've, I've got to watch I this movie. You dig it the most, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Another movie where the best thing that came out of this was the song. Okay, are we to my number two? You're number two. Two. My number two was released August 12th, 1983. This is another movie that made me stand up in the theater and point and say, what the F is going on? This is absolute abomination. Okay. Okay. Problem with this is this was like the eighth movie in the series okay. of a very successful series that you and I both talked about how much we like. Okay. The star of the series died, and this is the second attempt to reboot the series without him, but maintaining the character. I got nothing, man. This is good. Keep going. Okay. Okay. 
the star of this particular movie is another actor that we've talked about. He played James Bond in the 80s. Oh, is this the Pink Panther? This is the... Like Return of the Pink Panther? Curse, oh, curse of the Pink Panther. Curse of the Pink Panther, that's right. Introducing Ted Wass as Detective Sergeant Clifton Slay in Blake Edwards' Curse of the Pink Panther. This is my big chance. Don't blow it. Where Inspector Clouseau, quote-unquote, has plastic surgery. That's right. And is played by a clumsy, ridiculous French accent, Roger Roger Moore. Moore. That's right. Well, I can tell you that what I remember of this movie involved grapes. Yes. Because that's what I was concerned about whenever I was a kid, was the naked ladies squishing the grapes with their toes. God, was that in this one or was that in the previous one? No, I think that was the, I think that, that Wow, was I do remember that scene, though. <laughs> <laughs> I do know that Blake Edwards, like they changed the, the release date of this movie and it violated his contract and so he sued the studio and then they sued him, and it was this big legal battle. Either way, it was this huge disaster. How do you make two Pink Panther movies, keeping Inspector Clouseau, and not and Peter Sellers is dead and buried? Yeah, that's bad. It's a bad idea. It's insane. Terrible. Terrible. Okay. That's a good choice. To your number two, sir. All right. My number two is a number two. Okay. Came out in 1988. This might be my number one. <laughs> I, I'm confident that it is. Okay. So we can... We can talk together. We can dispense with the with the guessing at this point. I am confident that this is your number one. Okay. So we can move on and go straight into your number one because we're at your number one, right? This is oh, my number. Wait, wait. We've got. Oh we yeah, do yeah, Honorable yeah. mentions. We got to do honorable mentions. All right. So before we get to this one, which yeah. is my number two, go ahead. Your number one. Yes. We've got honorable mentions. So I'm going to let you go on the honorable mentions. Okay. My first honorable mention D came out the summer of 1987. We did a whole podcast on this movie. This movie nearly, and I mean nearly, killed this franchise that was an American icon because this movie was so bad. Released in 1987, they ran out of money, and so the poor actor, who we all adore in this role, had to look really hard at the Great Wall of China (laughs) and rebuild it. So this is interesting because... My number two is your number one, and my number one is your honorable mention. So okay, good. This is, this is the quest for more money. This is Superman. Yes, absolutely it is. Yeah. The Cannon Group purchased this because the Salkines got in so much trouble with Supergirl. Yep. Then they turn around, and they have been hemorrhaging like $90 million a year, so they have to cut corners. Listen to this. The budget for this Superman movie was $17 million. How do you make a big budget Superman movie for 17 million bucks? You don't. You make a terrible, terrible thing. Yes. They had a pretty good start. They had Gene Hackman. They had John Cryer. They had Margot Kidder. And then they turn around and do things like Superman is flying and intentionally drops Margot Kidder. It gives her a heart attack. (laughs) Remember that? Yes. Uh, It's so bad. Guys, go back and check out our Superman 4 versus Jaws the Revenge Episode. Yes, yes. Yeah. My second honorable mention is a part three to a movie that we have discussed in season one. This movie was literally the second biggest movie of 1977. Wow. So by the time this rolls out in the year 1983, 
again, the main character is not in this movie. It's baffling to me that somebody says, keep going, let's do this. So here's what they do. They double down, excuse me, they triple down, and they make the Smokey the Bandit also. Literally, with no Bandit. It's, it's awful. This is Smokey and the Bandit Part 3. Yeah. Jerry Reed was Reed. the Bandit. Yeah, he play, He steps into the Bandit position, and it is not a good, it's not a good fit. No, in fact, he had to come in at the last minute because originally Jackie Gleason was playing the Bandit. And then, but he was also playing the Smokey, and he's also playing like his cousin, Canadian cousin. Jackie Gleason had multiple parts, and the audience got confused. So they brought in Jerry Reed to play the Bandit at the last second. It was a complete disaster, wow. and they should have just dropped it. Okay, on to your honorable mentions, sir. Okay, so this is a sequel to a movie that we have talked about before. We've talked about the original movie before. Okay. Not in a full episode context, but... I know that I've brought it up before because there's a scene in the middle of that movie where they're in a graveyard and one of the members of the punk band, one of the female members played by incredible actress Lena Quigley, who seems to lose her clothes in quite a few horror (laughs) movies. God bless her. Manages to lose her clothes in this movie as well as she's stripping to a song that somebody's playing out of a boombox in the cemetery. And I, I think I brought this up because I was literally at the vinyl record store and this song starts playing over the PA and I'm like, know this song. Where do I know this song from? And the guy's like, you know it from Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, I've only seen that one part. He's like, yep, that's the same part that everybody else has seen. But that Return of the Living Dead was not a bad movie. I mean, it's a 7.3. It's a good movie. The Return of the Living Dead Part 2, 5.7, came out in 1988, and it is a dismal, dismal follow-up to what could have been a pretty good series of movies. Wow. Okay, that's good. I've never seen that one. 1988, huh? Yep. 35 years ago. Yeah, don't bother with part two. Just go back to part one, which came out in... Go back to part one, which came out in 85. The perfect time to have, you know, punk heads stripping in a cemetery. (laughs) Okay. Okay. This one is for you, sir. Okay. This is your second honorable mention? This is my second honorable mention. Not because the first one was great. Although it did it, it did launch the career of a, a director that we've talked about before. Okay. And uh, oddly enough, in a movie where he was parodying a movie that the of a big director at the time who then said, hey, I want you to come direct a movie that I'm producing. But the part two of the series nearly ended the career of one of your favorite directors before it ever got started. I know what this is. Yes. This is Piranha 2 The Spawning. You got it. (laughs) Hey, I watched this movie, and I don't think it's all that bad. Well, James Cameron thought it was terrible. James Cameron did think it. James Cameron. Got, like, fired halfway through or quit halfway through, depending on which version you listen to. Like, he was there with no money not for the movie, not for himself. He was stealing food off of the carts that people left out at the hotel room. That's how that's how down to the dirt he was. And yeah, I, I he luckily managed to escape what could have been a dismal career ending movie by just kind of disclaiming and saying, 
this wasn't really me. Right. He said when he got the phone call that he was fired, he was painting rubber fish in his hotel room, <laughs> like working around the clock to try and make this turd into something good. Yeah. Jeff Johnson and I have talked about this. We both like this movie. Wow. It's actually okay. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> this movie got a 3.8. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we are on to our number ones. One of the good things about Prana 2 The Spawning, though, yeah, that's when Lance Henriksen meets up with James Cameron. Oh, yeah. And he goes on to play Bishop in Aliens. Yeah, and is the he is the guy who James Cameron had set up to play the Terminator. And that's he right. comes in dressed as the Terminator for the producers, busts through the door, gun in hand, and they're like, what the heck? Yeah. yeah almost ruined that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's good. All right. So now here we are to number Back one. Back to number ones. Okay. And I know what yours is. I know what yours is. One. Right. So uh, yours is Caddyshack 2. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble. What goes around comes around. Welcome back to Caddyshack. Hey, Ty, you're looking well. Hey, nice to see you, Vinny. Uh, Ted, whatever. Bushwood Country Club. So, you want to join old Bushwood, huh? Where snobbery is a way of life. We just don't feel your Bushwood material. I want to buy Bushwood Country Club. Well, let me ask you this. Do I own it? But now its members are going to get what they deserve. What do you think? Isn't it great? Huh? It's great, huh? Isn't it? Huh? Good God. The shack is back. Our members will never stand for this. It's a story of high culture. Woo! I was looking for a... Poly grip? No, no. That loose stuff you put your combs in? No. And subculture. I got you now, you little furry freak. Sophisticated ladies. Ooh, you did that on purpose. Well, I won't be a caddy all my life. I'm going to car wash school in the fall. And perfect gentlemen. Have you ever seen a crisp $50 bill? I tell you what, if I pull the arrow out, will you please suck out the poison for me? Caddyshack 2. Is there any money in it for me? Mine is Caddyshack 2. Got a whopping 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yep. 4%. Listen to this. Rodney Dangerfield was supposed to come back as Al Shervek. Uh-huh. He was funny in Caddyshack Part 1, and they were going to bring back... Chevy Chase, Bill Murray had no interest, so they brought Harold Ramis in. This was going to be a, I mean, high-dollar tentpole comedy for 88, but Rodney Dangerfield got sideways with the studio, so he drops out. Harold Ramis said, well, if Rodney Dangerfield's not in it, I'm dropping out, so he drops out. Right. They wouldn't let him take his name off the thing. Chevy Chase wanted a million bucks just to be in it for five minutes, and he was a turd to the director the whole time. Shocker. And... Harold Ramis went to the studio and was like, listen, let's just let this thing die. John Peters is like, no, 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 no. We'll get Jackie Mason in it. It'll be great. <laughs> Jackie Mason is terrible. Yeah. The, they guy, bring- the guy they got in to direct is a guy named Alan Arkish. Yes. Literally, his big movie before this was 1983's Get Crazy. You know what he was famous for up to this point? Moonlighting. Oh, is that what he was doing? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he would. He directed some TV. He did L.A. Law and St. Elsewhere, but 
Yeah, no, the this was their pick for the replacement for Harold Ramis. Yeah. Guys. I watched this movie the other day. I watched it. It was so bad. I literally told you, I, I counted down to the exact second that this movie lost me. One minute and 30 seconds. <laughs> one minute and 30 seconds because the movie starts off at one minute and 30 seconds. You have this ridiculous, terrible gopher puppet that looks way worse and has no character than the one that, that appeared in the first movie that was so freaking funny. Yeah. I looked at it, I'm like, this sucks. It's just, it's just, it's just, That's right, sucks. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd, they brought him in to do the Bill Murray part? Yeah. He has this ridiculous high voice. It's terrible. It's so, so bad. Michael Willingham of the LA Times said this film is so bad, it makes Caddyshack 1 look like The Godfather Part 2. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Yep. All right. On to your number one, sir. All right, my number one may not be the worst in the series, especially considering that you've already brought up one of the things in the series that led to the making of this movie. Right. But I never saw Supergirl. Didn't watch it. Lucky you. Yeah. Yeah, I I think like it might have been a thing where it was on TV, and I, I was like, oh, I should watch this, and I put it on, and I was just like, no, 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 no. So I had the same reaction with that one that I had with Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, where I watched it for maybe five to ten minutes, and I was just like, there's no way that this can become good. Right. Like, it is unrecoverable. You're right. On the other hand, what happened with Superman 4, my number one, is I watched it all, and I just I walked out a broken human being. <laughs> the greatest hope against the threat of nuclear war is Superman. I'm going to do what our governments have been unwilling or unable to do. Effective immediately, I'm going to rid our planet of all nuclear weapons. The greatest threat to Superman is Lex Luthor. Smarter than I thought. We can make the world safe for war profits. He's created the ultimate weapon to annihilate the Man of Steel. You risk worldwide nuclear war for your own personal financial gain. Nobody wants war. I just want to keep the threat alive. Dude of Steel, where are you going to get it? You know you're a workaholic. Why don't you stop and smell the roses, huh? Superman 4, Christopher Reeve, Gene Hackman, Jackie Cooper, John Cryer, with Mariel Hemingway and Margot Kidder as Lois Lane. Superman 4, his most important adventure, the quest for peace. I mean, I, I used to dress up like Superman. Superman was my go-to guy, and they ruined it. Yeah. They just ruined it. And so because it was taken from such a high point in from my perspective down to such a low point with this movie, that's why I put it in number one. It's so Superman has all these ridiculous powers. The effects are terrible. They keep reusing the same shot. You have a, a this kid named Jeremy in his <laughs> social studies class who tells everyone, I know what we should do, we should get Superman, take care of the nuclear bombs 
He gets a giant net from Home Depot and takes all the nuclear bombs to the sun and what? And that creates like a fetus from the sun. Yeah. A, a growing fetus from the sun that suddenly has clothes. Yeah. Like we're going to make this all scientific until it and, can't be naked. And what it's literally about? goo that they put in a box <laughs> on one of the missiles. Like what? what? What are you? What? And it gets worse from there. Right. Like it's like the worst creation point you can imagine. And then we're going to go, all right, here is the guy we're pitting against Superman because he's so powerful Unless you have an umbrella. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and they actually do a good job. Like Superman thinks this through. Okay, this guy is completely solar powered. As long as the sun doesn't touch him, I'm safe. So he takes him to the dark side of the moon. Literally never gets sunlight. Yeah. Except in the movie, it does. <laughs> <laughs> like what? What? Crack a textbook, will you? <laughs> Please. Golly, dude. It's terrible. Yeah. Okay, so that does it for our top five, or bottom five, if you will, top five worst sequels of the 1980s. Now, I had some movies that I was excited to talk about today that Jason totally went, no, we can't do that because that's the 90s. I'm like, oh, crap. We've, we've changed the rules. So <laughs> the reason for that is we will be coming back to you soon with a top five worst sequels of the 90s. We want to hear what you guys think. Are these, if, if you are out there and you have an opinion that says, no, 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 you got this wrong. That movie is actually really good. We really want to hear from you. I want to hear from somebody who says Caddyshack 2 is awesome. <laughs> or Smoking the Bandit is part three is freaking funny. I don't think you're, I don't think they're out there. We'll see. Jackie Mason. When funny. Jackie Mason, his golf, I don't even want to get into his golf swing. <laughs> Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter, at Shirley Podcast, on both spots. Thanks, guys. We will see you back here next week. Bye, guys.